Alright, so you're going to notice that I'm really, really nasally right now, but don't worry, that's not going to be for the duration of the podcast, it's just this intro part. I recorded this episode a few weeks ago where our guest Cassie and I talk about a little bit of the shadow side to herpes advocacy, so you'll get to hear her experience with dealing with discrimination in the workplace after her positive HSV status became known. Unfortunately, that's a real concern that some people have about disclosure. And that's why that's one of the reasons why we don't have as much activism in this space. And we don't really have that much of a voice. So I recognize the privileged place that I come from in being able to be as open as I am about my status. And anyone who can like this is a great episode for you to listen through and hear different ways that you can provide support and get involved with advocacy, even if it's just behind the scenes or indirectly, you don't have to let people know what your status is. I want people who may be considering opening up about their status publicly to their communities to take a listen to this as well. I know that the people who are in the public space of being open about their SCI status right now, uh, you don't get that. You get the happy stuff. You get the empowering, uplifting stuff. And occasionally you get to see someone who reaches out to us and uh, will share like a screenshot or something. And you get to get a hint of what goes on behind the scenes from that perspective. But there's also a whole nother side that just doesn't really get covered. And so I'm sharing Cassie's story on this podcast today in hopes of giving you a little bit of additional perspective. I'd also like to thank Waxo, the sex positive STI affirming blog for being a sponsor of this podcast. Waxo, in addition to providing content about sex, STIs and relationships, is also the home of We Need a Button, an awareness campaign aimed at dismantling the prejudice, stigma, and poor care often received by LGBTQ folks. But It's not only limited to queer people. Right now, they're asking anyone who is comfortable sharing to post a story about when they were treated unfairly at the doctor's office. Use the hashtags unfair care and we need a button. All right, let's get into the shadow side of advocacy with our guest Cassie and not my nasally voice. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brand. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast featuring experiences of people living with and or affected by sexually transmitted infections. Today's guest has a varying experience in her advocacy, the way that she provides education and backs people up living with herpes is in her story. It's different than a lot of the people that you may see publicly who are so open about their STI status, their herpes diagnosis, that I thought it was really worth sharing on this podcast. And while the experiences haven't always been positive, it's more so about them being useful. There are a lot of people who think that they want to disclose publicly and be advocates and educators in this space and this episode to me at least highlights a different angle a different perspective that we just don't get a chance to see without me talking too much and losing the audience here cassie i want to let you go ahead and begin with your story talk about your experience first off how old are you well i'll be 24 in like two weeks (laughs) oh you're basically basically 24. 24 Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm from the Chattanooga area. I 
am currently in a relationship with somebody who does not have herpes. So um, I don't know what else you need about, about me as far as that goes. So you just tell me. Oh, no. I mean, I didn't need that much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. Where you and I began talking was... Um, when you were diagnosed and what was going on there. So let's start at that point. Okay. Um, my diagnosis itself, I was 22 and I was at college in Kentucky, about six hours away from where I live. And I had lived there for all of five days. <laughs> so I was leaving one of my classes and my now ex-boyfriend called me and told me, and we had broken up at that time, too. Um, called me and told me that he had just been diagnosed and I needed to go get tested. And I heard the word herpes and I absolutely crumbled. Like, I cried so hard on that sidewalk. I cried until I threw up that night. I missed class the next day. It was a mess. I had only known my roommate for, you know, all of a week. And I went into the dorm crying to her about it and barely know this girl and she said well you know come sit on my bed and talk with me and I said well are, are you sure you're okay with me sitting on your bed after I just told you that I mean I was an absolute mess so um going backwards a little bit I ended up realizing where I got it from and I'm not gonna bash that guy too much other than he knew he had it and didn't disclose to me and I found out by him being in one of the groups and he had been in there for quite some time um, and had been posting in there long before he and I ever had any encounter. So um, whenever I was diagnosed and, you know, I told you that boyfriend and I had broken up, we, I feel like we kind of got back together out of like a, a guilt relationship. Like we were both just diagnosed with this um, life altering, or at least that's what we thought, life altering disease. And which we later figured out wasn't really the case, but um, we stayed together for about another year and a half. And then our breakup itself kind of brought back a ton of emotion and I had never dated with it. Like I had it and I educated myself about it and I would talk to other people about it, but I had never dated. So um, it was definitely, it, it's been a roller coaster. It went from, I was devastated to, I was okay to, I was devastated again. It's taken a lot of education and learning, learning how to cope with having it, but also learning how to love myself in spite of it. Yeah. We don't have to go into too much detail, but it's very interesting that you found out this person was active in one of these groups and yeah. you got diagnosed and then found your way in the group and then you found this person. So let me ask you, how did you find the group? Honestly, Google. Oh. Whenever I was reading about herpes and I was educating myself, um, the boyfriend that I stayed with for a while uh, was in the military. He was gone to basic training at the time and I was just kind of like navigating through it alone. I think I was on like an actual just like herpes website and national health was listed. So I said, Oh, okay. Like, cause it tells you how, if you have a positive diagnosis, how to become a part of this group. And I um, made a friend request and I was added. Okay. And then whenever I was added, that person's name popped it. You know, if you're added to a group, it'll tell you if your friends are members of the group also. So, um, that, 
suspected person, his name popped up and it said is also a member or whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was Whoa. great. Whoa, that's nuts. But... I went through a lot of uh, emotions whenever I saw it. I, I was, I missed, I had a class right after that and I ended up not going to the class because, uh, I mean, I called him out. I messaged him about it. I was um, not happy. <laughs> not happy at all. How surprised was he when you messaged him and like, <sighs> he, you knew, like you just, he, so, he was exposed. so crazy i can't imagine my disappointment to come across the person like just (laughs) red-handed like you didn't tell me that you had the potential to just completely change my life and you didn't equip me with any of the tools that you have access to i think i would have been more hurt by that than anything else like you didn't tell me first of all and then i understand you weren't going to confront me but when i confronted you about it and gave you the opportunity to let me know you yeah. didn't. Yeah, that was the worst part. Um, I had a very hard time with my initial diagnosis, like I think we all do. I struggled really bad with that. I cried a lot, and I spent a lot of time just trying to navigate through all those feelings. And I don't want to say like suicidal, but almost where I just didn't want to be alive. <laughs> um, there was a lot, and he knew that, and he could have told me, but he didn't. And like you said, that was the worst part. Like he could have said, I'm sorry. I may have been the one who exposed you to this, 
but I'm a part of these groups. Let me add you to them or let me give you these resources. Let me, it's really not that big of a deal, whatever. I can, I will say, I will vouch that we had safe sex. We used a condom, whatever. I still got it. I was just one of the unlucky people, I guess, you know, herpes is a skin to skin virus. You're not totally protected by condoms. I didn't have any education as far as sexual health goes other than abstinence only sex education at my high school. Yeah. So I wasn't aware of that. I thought condoms protect you from everything. Well, guess what? They don't. Mm -hmm. So I will vouch for him. He at least, I feel like he, like I said, he's not a bad guy. And I think that his intentions were, okay, well, we're being safe about it. She's not going to get it. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, it's not that he intentionally exposed me. It was more of not telling me whenever I came to him. Yeah. And did you have the conversation about sexual health before you both had sex with one another? Did you ask him if you, when was the last time you've been tested? Have you ever tested positive for any STIs? Okay. No. Okay. I was just curious. Cause that's, I, I find that that's, that tends to just not be a conversation that we have. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a conversation that I would have now, but at that time, no. Okay. All right. That part was important, <laughs> but yeah. what's coming up, this is really important. So you said that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you found out after um, a more recent relationship that you had that somehow got involved with you being outed for your status at work. Yes, I did. Um, so yeah, I will say, um, I'm a little bit, you know, loud-mouthed about myself, and I probably give too much information to people who don't deserve it at times. So I had, I was in a new, newer relationship with the guy that I had passed it on to, and I had um, talked to someone that I worked with about it and said, hey, you know, I have this. This is where I most likely got it from. My current boyfriend has it. Like, I mean, I just kind of, like, spilled my guts, like, word-vomited out everything about my life to this person. And then the next thing I know, I am hearing that my STD status is a like, tabletop conversation for everybody at the dinner table at work, which I work in emergency services. And, you know, we all, honestly, we're, we're all really close. Like, that is one thing that you, you get very close with the people who you spend 24-hour shifts with and things like that. So, I mean, I wasn't really surprised about people gossiping about me, but I was more surprised about the repercussions that came at me about it. I was told that I had created unnecessary drama and um, was basically, I mean, I guess basically fired from that job. He, the boss who let me go said that he was removing me from the part-time list and that I wasn't being fired. But like, let's be honest here, guys, like, what's the difference? So um, it was, it was a lot uh, to go through emotionally because now not only have I been outed about this about me having this because i talked about it which i don't feel like i should ever have to apologize for talking about the things that have hurt me and affected my life like i was i was confiding in someone and that's not my fault that that person told everybody yeah but anyways i was told that i had created unnecessary drama and was essentially fired for it wow so that that did <laughs> that did happen yes yeah, a lot of people are afraid of that happening, and no matter how assuring you want to believe that it is to be honest with people and 
that nothing bad's gonna happen to you when you tell the truth. Unfortunately, that's bullshit. And there is unfortunate discrimination. There's office politics. There are politics in whatever work setting. You know, here we are. We're talking about emergency services here. Um, is that right? Can I say emergency services? Or yeah, do I need yeah. to delete that out? All right. <laughs> but yeah, um, even in a situation like that, and we're talking about people who are supposed to be versed, well versed in healthcare. These are people who see the medications of patients and people in need of these services. And yet your STI status is a conversation for what reason? It's your STI status. And with this kind of story, I now hear, I understand better why people don't want to disclose, why they don't want their identities out there. And I think this this is important to highlight because you see a Janelle Marie Pierce, you see an Emily DePass, you see all these different people, Laureen HD or Alexandra Bushka. You see all of these people who have their faces out there and they talk openly about living with herpes, having herpes, and it's all like smiles on the surface. It's all empowering, encouraging, it'll get better. But then there's the behind the scenes. You know, these are people, none of us have experienced any negative repercussions for being open about our status when there are also people who have been open about having herpes and then they just kind of stepped out in hopes of just fading to the back because of fear of the same discrimination that you're facing. Like I know someone who stepped down from advocacy because they were applying for certain jobs and they didn't want this to pop up. And in conservative environments, that's just not cool, I guess. Like it's not cool to have that level of vulnerability. There needs to be this on the surface level yeah. of perfection and even something as completely irrelevant to the job as your STI status like that has people in fear of ever being found out for having a positive status right and you know one of the things that I um that that kind of affected me I feel like is that I was raised very hot and heavy in church so whenever I was initially diagnosed it felt like oh my gosh well maybe if I just like hadn't had sex outside of marriage or hadn't done this hadn't done that like I felt like I was being punished I don't feel like that now um to be clear I don't feel like that now that's not at all what I believe but that was my initial like that shockwave that I went through that was kind of how I felt about it and um you know one of the things that somebody told me was that STIs don't discriminate and they don't because you know in my mind somebody like me would wouldn't get herpes because I, I was clean you know I was clean and and now like I look at that now and I'm like okay well what is clean <laughs> what is that so um yeah it, it was it's been it's been a roller coaster for me definitely it's been an up and down how do I feel about it how and and when everybody found out I, I don't even want to say that I really cared about people finding out because I I talk a lot anyways I don't really feel like it's something to be ashamed of because if you treat it like it's this deep, dark, dirty secret, other people are going to treat it that same way. So, you know, ending stigma starts with me and it starts with you and it starts with other people who are willing to talk about it. And like you said, that's not for everybody and people who are more private about it and don't want people to know that's fine. But I'm loud mouthed and I just don't keep things to myself. So here we are. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I told all of my friends, I feel like, at, at college, I told everybody. Everybody knew, and and it was just one of those like, um, it was just one of those things where if it came up at all, I'd be like, oh hey, well I have that. Or um, 
it would just slip out sometimes like at parties people would go to drink after me and make jokes about you know not having whatever I, I don't worry I don't have herpes I'm like oh that's unfortunate because I do so <laughs> that's a hell of a way to get free alcohol <laughs> oh for sure yeah I went through a haunted house last year and one of the um guys was trying to kiss on my face you know how the haunt like the people will jump out at you and stuff so he was trying to jump out at me and I thought he was going to kiss me and I said "Ooh, I have herpes do you want to share <laughs> like I'm I'm ridiculously open about it it's kind of embarrassing at times <laughs> for my yeah. friends not for Yeah. So recently, um, I saw uh, something on social media. There was a post about the Steve Harvey. Um, what's the name of the show? Family Feud. Family Feud. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So on Family Feud, um, the question was, what is something that a woman can say on a first date that would scare the living daylights out of any man? And the guy hits his buzzer and goes, "I have herpes." And Steve Harvey, like, he didn't say anything. He just gave him a fist bump, and the audience was like, oh. But I saw that someone posted that, and they were really they were really upset. They were really hurt by this. And the, the thing that I've noticed is over the years, like, it used to be cool to make fun of gay people. It used to be fun to make fun of members of the LGBT community until there's been things like the pride parade pride itself like an entire month dedicated to um a group of people a community of people who share these similarities and these um like this this what, what what's the word i'm looking for like there's a community there's community there and with that community these are people who receive support from the people around them now these support systems are people that would never let that uh, the person who slammed that buzzer and said, I have herpes, he wouldn't have said, oh, I'm a lesbian. He wouldn't have said anything like that due to the strength and power of this community and the support that they have around them. So even straight people, people who, and I, I hate to use the word straight, but even people who don't identify as LGBTQ members, these are people who would still say, hey, man, that's not cool. It's not like I have a gay friend. I have a lesbian relative. My partner is bisexual. My closest friends are queer, like my co-workers. And this is because now we're aware that there are people around us who identify as members of this community whereas when someone says a herpes joke on national television what kind of criticism are they going to receive who's going to be our supporters when we're not empowered enough or strong enough as a community to be like hey that's not cool because i mean if you think about it like you were fired because you created drama in the workplace now if there was some sort of community support, then there should have been some sort of a discrimination lawsuit or something like that to come. Or your employer should have been like, I can't do this. Now, had he fired you for being gay or, you know, a lesbian, just something else along the sexuality spectrum, then you would have had all kinds of support and resources behind you that would have held that person accountable. So I use that example for this reason. We're talking about 
Uh, we, we use phrases like coming out of the closet or being outed. These are parallel phrases that go along with what uh, members of the LGBT community experience, like being in the closet and then having a space to be open and come out and then also have the support of the people around you. It's unfortunate that you know, you being as open and vocal as you are, you're not receiving that kind of support. But imagine if we were able to have and build and, and, and just create that solid foundation of just community to where someone understands that there's some sort of accountability that needs to be had for making people feel that way or for uh, stigmatizing groups of people. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the statistics that you see everywhere is that one out of every two people will encounter some STI by age 25, I think, correct me if I'm wrong on that statistic, but something something like that, you know, like one half of the sexually active population is going to get some sort of an STI at some point in their life. People also don't understand that some STIs don't show symptoms. Uh, that was kind of how I was with, you know, herpes. Like, I didn't have your typical, whenever people think about herpes, they think about blisters and this and that. I literally had the presentation of just like a minor yeast infection. It wasn't, they, and honestly, I think I've had two, three outbreaks ever. One that I knew was an outbreak after I had been diagnosed, I had the flu, I was really sick whatever. Um, my immune system was just already crap. And I think I mentioned to you earlier that I'm a type one diabetic. So my immune system is just kind of bad anyways. Um, so I had one outbreak that I knew was an outbreak. And then I had one that the ex-boyfriend, I think it was around the time that he contracted it from me because I had what I thought was a just simple, Oh, this is a yeast infection, whatever, take some over the counter medicine. It went away. And we slept together like pretty pretty soon after that so I guess everything wasn't gone that's probably what happened there and then the initial one which whenever I slept with that person who was suspected I got it from uh we we used a condom I'm allergic to latex but I just am stupid apparently and I felt like <laughs> I felt like oh it's fine we'll just use a latex condom anyways it'll be okay so I thought I had a reaction only to condom and I went to the doctor told my doctor everything that was going on and, that, and that's what she said she was like oh yeah sure it was definitely a mixture of condom yeast infection here's some medicine like take your diplopan and go on about your day so I was assured that it was nothing there was nothing to be worried about and then I I haven't had I haven't had any sort of an outbreak in well over a year yeah so there you go, no symptoms. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's just how that's how it goes. That's how it is. And even after you've been outed, so to speak, at work from the last situation and let go of, removed from the list, we're just gonna say fired. I, yeah. I'm not about to put the brain <laughs> yeah, power yeah. in it. Uh, you still tell people. You still proceed with the education. You still are very outspoken about it. Yeah, I have started a new job. Well, actually, I worked for two services part-time, and I had already worked for this this other service, And um, but I started working full-time hours there. And I was sitting in our, in our ambulance bay one day, and everybody was talking about um, STIs, and somebody just made, like, one of those silly, like, hangover jokes, you know, about herpes. And, and for whatever reason, it just rubbed me wrong that day, and people there didn't know I had it. So uh, I said, you know, that's not funny, and a lot of people have that, and maybe just think about it whenever you say stuff like that, because if the statistic is, what, one in 
five or something. Either way, one in five, one in six, one in four, different wherever you read it at. But either way, if the statistic is that and we have 60 employees, how many other people have it than just me, you know? So um, I made a comment. I'm sorry if you hear my dog barking. No, you're fine. <laughs> but but uh, I made a comment about how it wasn't funny and that they needed to be more sensitive, that a lot of people have this. And, you know, just, just to be aware of who you could be hurting and the comment was made back to me well I, I don't know anybody who has that and i wouldn't associate with somebody who has that so that just ran all over me and i said you know hi <laughs> me i have it and i've had it for years and i've worked here for years and you've had no idea so i knew whenever i said that there were several people in the room i knew that i would be talked about i knew rumors would be started um i at the time was in a pretty serious relationship with the ex-boyfriend and I wasn't really concerned about like dating or anything so that that wasn't a concern with me it was people potential partners finding out it was just education and um, I came into work I think the next shift and somebody made a comment about not wanting to sleep in the bedroom that I slept in at work because we worked 24 hour shifts um, and called me herpes pussy <laughs> wasn't said in my face it was said behind my back but it was said and I I mean, like I said, I've got some, uh, I've, got, I've got thick skin, so I let people say whatever they want, because even though I do hear, I hear a lot of people say things like that, people who are uneducated, but I hear a lot more of, you know, I'm glad that you talk about this, or what is that like, can you tell me about it, and, and can you educate me about it, and I had a friend who um, had an encounter and actually ended up getting herpes, and she called me, and she said, you know, I'm so glad that I had, that I knew about you and that I knew that you had it and that you have educated me about it because it made what was already a traumatic experience less traumatic. And she specifically said to me, I was suicidal, but I firmly believe because of your diagnosis and you being so willing to talk about it, that that may have saved me. So if me catching some crap from people that I work with means that somebody else can be alive because of me being open about it, then great. And also, you know, the more that I do talk about it and the more that I do tell people I have it, I have like five or six fairly close friends of mine that also have it. That whenever I came out and I said, yeah, I have this, they're like, oh my gosh, me too. I thought I was the only one. You know, I mean, it's so much more common than we realize. And it's so much more, um, I, I guess, it, it's so much more stigmatized even than I realized. Like all of my, out of all of my friends, I'm the only one super open about it um everybody else is pretty quiet they keep it to themselves they don't tell i mean i have friends who who don't tell their partners which i don't agree with but i'm not gonna it's not my place to to talk about um still i have friends who don't even tell partners and i'm like you know guys like it's really not that big of a deal i usually would disclose to people like right out the gate after i did start to date again whenever that boyfriend and i broke up i would tell people before i even went out with them and I only ever had one bad disclosure as far as dating goes. Like, nobody has ever cared. So, it just, I don't know. I guess I just feel like the benefits of being open about it are better than the repercussions of being open about it. Yeah, and it's all about perspective, really, because one rejection can carry just as much weight as... 15 to 20 thank you for being open about this messages you know so sure. hearing thank you for some people may equip them with the 
thickness of skin to be able to tolerate 15, 20 rejections. So I think it's an either or situation where you can choose to look at the positives or you can choose to look at the negatives. I mean, we're in a situation here where you got fired from a place and here you are in just a different situation. You don't look at that as bad, uh, but it worked out like it happened and you made it work. Yeah, and you know, one of the biggest things that I have found about, um, funny, I actually met one of my, sorry, I'm, I just kind of like, my train of thought just went away, but uh, funny, I actually met one of my now closest friends in a herpes support group, and she was from the same town as me, um, we we both got added to it around the same time, and I saw her in there, and I, I saw her picture, it was on Facebook, saw her profile picture, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. So I clicked on her profile, and it showed that she lived literally in the same county. And I said, oh, my gosh, like, no way. Message her. We talk all the time. I hang out all the time now. So it's, it's, it is about perspective. Like, I've met a lot of really good people because of it. I've, um, I feel like it's, it made me learn how to love myself. My self-esteem, I was diagnosed in 2017, but I guess I've had it. I've had it since 2016. I just didn't really know for sure. But you know, my self-esteem now versus my self-esteem in 2016 is so much better. It's so improved from that time. And I think it's because whenever I was diagnosed, I had to, I had to take a step back and I had to say, okay, well, how is anybody going to love me if I have this? Well, what do I, what do I have that people should love me about? What do I have that I should love myself for? You know? Mm-hmm. So I had to really do a lot of soul searching at that point And I learned a lot about myself because of it. And I know I tell people all the time that I'm thankful for my herpes diagnosis because because of that, because of friends I've made and because I'm more comfortable in my own skin because of it. And herpes is nothing. Like, I would take herpes over my type 1 diabetes all day, every day. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's so, it's so minor as far as my experience goes. It's been not emotionally minor, but as far as my actual like body and my health goes, it is what it is. I forget that I have it other than the fact that I tell everybody I have it. And I think that that's another important thing. Like, I'd forget, too, if it weren't for this podcast. I mean, shit, even when I'm recording a podcast, how often do I say I have herpes? Or how often does it ever even come up, really? Um, just, I, I think that make being open, and I'll talk about some of the pros on my end. Um, I value connection. Uh, I feel more connected to the community that I'm part of, to the people who reach out to me, the people who listen to the podcast, the people I interview on the podcast. I am more connected to myself through these experiences because the way I see it is like we're all mirroring each other and we're showing uh, how we see our how others see us and we're able to see ourselves in the eyes of others so when I sit down and I have these interviews and I'm sitting here looking at your face and we're talking and having this energetic exchange like there are parts of me that are being lit up and you're expanding my perspective with your own experiences so as someone who values connection as much as I do I feel that being open about my status has been a positive because I've been able to not only allow people that otherwise I probably never would have crossed paths with into this space, 
and people are being willing to allow me into their space. So from that standpoint, it's great. I love getting the thank you messages. Those are those weigh so much more to me on the positive side than any one negative piece of feedback I get or any sort of uh, criticism or any public herpes joke. Like these things completely outweigh each other and the negativity just doesn't seem to stick with me anymore. Like it comes and it goes. Um, I can't say that I feel stigmatized or I feel any kind of discrimination. Maybe some friends don't hang out with me as much as they used to, but I'm also way more focused on other things than hanging out. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. I don't care to really investigate it because I'm, I'm just focused. So in my experience, I haven't experienced any public negativity, not from family, not from friends, not from colleagues. Uh, even when I first became open about it and being a personal trainer at a gym, I thought that people wouldn't want to work out with me because they thought they'd get herpes from sitting on the same bench as me. And people aren't like that. People genu generally are not going to be that way or not ignorant or not just jerks. Um, and I think that it maybe people demonstrate these red flags about themselves and who they really are. And we tend to just look over them sometimes, but then we also tend to downplay how good of a resource, support system, friend, lover, family member we have around us because we feel like we can't tell anyone. And sometimes the closest people are the ones who can be the most supportive to us if we just let them. Yeah, I have um, definitely, like I, like I said, if I, if I treated it like it, my initial diagnosis, I didn't want people to know I tried to keep it to myself but that's just like not in my nature I just talk about stuff all the time and uh, it's that may be a flaw in me and I've tried to get better about it as I've gotten a little bit older but um I talk a lot <laughs> so uh initially I wanted it to be a secret and then like the more I did talk to people about it and the more of that uh, I made it feel like it wasn't a secret and it wasn't something to be ashamed of it it normalized it for me and it made me feel like I was I tell strangers, <laughs> like, I don't care. 
but I was so nervous about telling him. And I think part of that is because I live in a small town. We're from the same town. We, we actually grew up on the same road. So we, yeah, it's our families are close, um, which my family knows I have it. But still, I was very hesitant about talking with him about it. And then, actually, I had delayed dates. Like, I would put him off. I was like, I don't want to go. Even, even though I did, I was pushing him away because I was so afraid of how he would react. And then whenever I finally told him, he was out of town. He was, like, in Atlanta or something for some conference for work. And I sent it to him in a text message. I said, you know, hey, I just want you to know that I have this. And I included statistics about it. And I tried to make it out like like it wasn't a big deal because it's not. But, I mean, it is, but it's not. Well, his response was, okay. And? He's like, I thought you were going to tell me something bad. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he reacted so well about it and and it's never been a issue for him like we actually talked about it last night because we were talking about this podcast and he said yeah I mean I know that that it's something that you have but like it really doesn't affect your health you 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 are the same person with or without it so there's been a lot of um emotions (laughs) emotions tied to it for sure so for you and being as vocal as you are does it make your partner uncomfortable at all some herpes jokes as she was the opener to this comedy club and um, she finishes the jokes Uh, someone messaged me and said that they were really uncomfortable and then by the end of it she was like yeah I wrote all these jokes before I got herpes and I'm really hoping to be able to get her on this podcast so uh, assuming that that's true I messaged her and I asked her about it and to see if she'd be willing to come on to the podcast and we can talk about herpes jokes and then her experience as well. But I thank you so much for sharing this insight. Like I said, people fear their employers and coworkers finding out about their diagnosis. And this is completely justifiable. Like being open about herpes, there's no rewards for it. Oftentimes there's no, not everybody's getting paid. Not everybody is getting a TED talk or YouTube channel. There's a lot that comes with it. I mean, these are things that are all necessary, but more than anything else, we have to be able to advocate for ourselves in whatever capacity that may be. We have resources and tools and communities that are out there if you want to get involved and you want to do something. Just so you know, you don't have to be open. There are different ways to get involved. You can even just educate the people around you like Cassie here. Yeah, 
absolutely. And that's one thing, you know, I, I think you and I both agreed you, you don't have to be open about it. That's not for everybody. I know that not everybody is like me, and I really could care less about what most people think. But that is not that is not something that I came by naturally. It took time for me to, you know, learn that not everybody's opinion matters. And, and I told you, and I don't know if I said this earlier on this podcast, I am thankful for my diagnosis. And I, I just... I've learned so much about who I am, and I think that it's weeded through a lot of, like that job that I'm not at anymore. I'm so glad that I'm not there. I was stagnating there. I was stagnating in a group of what I felt like was toxic for me, not necessarily toxic people, and I'm not saying that they're bad people because I I don't feel that way, but toxic for me. The situation was not for me, and I just, I've learned a lot, and I've learned a lot by being open, but there's also no shame in not being open. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you. It was nice talking with you.